bushes back here and I wouldn't be able to see the audience or once in a while you wouldn't be able to see me hmm maybe that's a better thing after all anyway it's good to be here with you and to rejoice in the Lord uh, together we're going to look at Psalm 78 tonight the original text was verse 52 to 72 concerned David but it's very difficult to just focus on David alone because the psalm that we're looking at is a psalm of history from verse 4 says we will not hide from them them from our from their children telling to the to generation the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful uh, wonderful works which he has done he says that in verse 2 that this is I will open my mouth in a parable so we need to keep in mind as we're looking at this psalm of history that it's a parable not just a chronological uh, look at Israel's history it's in the, the definition of a parable a uh, heavenly story with a, an earthly meaning well this is more to do with a history that of Israel and taking a meaning from it to make us better sorry in Matthew 13 35 Jesus uses that same idea verse 34 and 35 <clears throat> All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. The order of this psalm in terms of time deals first with a hopeful future of Israel then secondly a dismal past uh, of Israel from the times that they were in Egypt all the way to the promised land and then thirdly is a good present and that's the that's the order in which we will take this psalm tonight verses 1 through 4 I'll read entirety give ear O my people to my law incline your ears to the words of my mouth I will open 
my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works, which he has done. See, speaking of the need to pass on to future generations this history, don't forget the history, he's, he's saying, and make sure it goes on to the future. In verse 8, verse 7 and 8 I'll read, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright, whose spirit was not faithful to God. A stubborn and rebellious generation that Israel was, even from Egypt all the way to the promised land. He says they didn't prepare their heart. They didn't uh, set their spirit to be faithful to God. But he's trying to get Israel, Judah, more now, to be faithful in future generations. And they needed to understand that this, uh, that this so that they would obey the Lord and do his will. Asaph, Asaph didn't want the people to imitate that Exodus generation, the one that died in the wilderness. And so he's reminding them through these, this parable that uh, of that past uh, generations, the third generation back in, in when uh, Joshua had passed, uh, turned to idols, verse 8, a stubborn and rebellious generation. The ten tribes would forsake the Lord and establish a new kingdom and a false religion in time. They haven't yet. Probably Asaph wrote this during Solomon's time while Solomon was building the temple because he, he was chief musician all the way from David through Solomon. But this nation had been a stubborn and rebellious generation and suffered because of their disobedience. Asaph wanted future generations to trust God, to learn from the past and to obey God's word. Verse 8 again. Only then could they be sure of the blessing of the Lord for a bright future. 
still protecting the future. The, that principle applies to us today. What if we forget the past? What if we forget the Old Testament history? There are many in the church who really don't like to study the Old Testament because they see a harsh God, one that was full of wrath, and so on. But listen to Romans 15 verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. We cannot forget the past. We must remember the past and move on toward the future. See, we must protect our future. Who is the future of the church? But our young people. We need to make sure they know the promises of God, the, the commands that God gives, the obligation to obey the words of Christ. See, we must pass those on to this next generation and the one after that and the one after that and so on for a bright future. The order of this text is an odd one showing that really we're not dealing with just a chronology of history but the apostrophe of Ephraim comes first in this text from verses 9 through 11 12 through 39 deals with deals with the nation's sins in the wilderness verses 40 through 53 deals with those forgotten lessons uh, from the time of Egypt and 54 to 64 deals with the sins in Canaan. So you see, if we were going to go in chronological order, probably the lessons, those forgotten lessons in Egypt should come first. Then Pardon me. Then, second, the nation's sins in the wilderness, the wilderness wanderings, those 40 years. Third would be the apostrophe, apostrophe, wow, did I really say that? The apostasy of Ephraim, and finally, the sins in Canaan itself. But the text, remember, is a parable not just a chronology. Don't do that to me. Thank you. Thanks for that. <laughs> it wouldn't click. And the apostrophe of I said it again. Y'all correct me. Somebody jump up and hit me with it. 
the apostasy of Ephraim, way back in Judges 26, verse 36-39, the men of Israel turned in the battle and began, Benjamin began to strike and kill 30 men of Israel, for they said, Surely they are defeated before us, uh, as in the first battle. Ephraim was a, was a problem right from the very beginning. Ephraim brought problems for Joshua, back in Joshua 4, 17, 14 through 18, and Gideon in Judges 8, 1 through 3. They wanted more land. They didn't want to fight whenever they were called on to fight. They just were proud and militant tribes in the north. And there's a long historical account as a warning uh, to us and to them not to follow Northern Kingdom's example. Later on, after this, Jeroboam, the founding king of Israel and Ephraim, uh, was prominent in destroying uh, the northern tribes. Look at 1 Kings chapter 12. Verse 16 through 20. Now when all the all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, and the people answered to the king, saying, What share have we in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, now see to your own house, O David. So Israel departed to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the children of Israel, dwelt in the cities uh, who dwelt in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was in charge of the revenue, but all Israel stoned him with stones, and he died. Therefore Rehoboam mounted his chariot and in haste to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David as it is to this day. Then it moved, the text moves on to the wilderness years in uh, of the nation moving from Egypt to the promised land. In 12 through 39, summarized, they grumbled at the Red Sea. Oh, you brought us here to kill us. For lack of water, 
we were better off in Egypt for lack of food. Oh, we had food and plenty back in Egypt. Take us back there. They grumbled at going into the land of Canaan. We can't do it now. We have to wait. You see, they provoked God time after time. And were always a rebellious people with a dismal... dismal past but they needed to remember the divine power of God in leaving Egypt God gave them a deliverer in Moses and they at first rejected him the plagues over the, the, the land of Egypt, the plundering of Egypt, the deliverance at the Red Sea, and yet they still grumbled and provoked God. They were never faithful for very long. At Kadesh Barnea, they had an opportunity to obey Deuteronomy 1, 1 and 2. But their disobedience cost them another 38 years in the wilderness. I'm wondering, a rebellious people in which all who rebelled died out in that wilderness during those 38 years. I was looking and and counting, trying to count, the uh, how I could find the number of funerals that it would that it took for them to for all of those six hundred thousand fighting men to die out in the wilderness, and it was something like sixty one funerals per day on an average every day of that 38 years Mm. just because they were disobedient people you see we need to remember people who don't like the Old Testament because of a vengeful God that vengeful God is going to come back one day and we need to be ready for that judgment day Even after conquering the land, there was a cycle that Israel went through. They would receive God's blessings and then sin and repent. I'm sorry, being punished and then repent. And then the cycle would start all over again. And God was patient with them. But God is only going to be patient for so long. His wrath will come one day. We need to be ready for that.
appreciating the present, verse 65 through 72, in our text. See, God rejected the tribe of Ephraim, chose David and Judah, abandoned the tabernacle in Shiloh, and had a temple built in, in Zion. It says in verse 65, the Lord awoke from sleep like a mighty man who shouts because of wine and he beat back his enemies and put them to a perpetual uh, reproach. A figure of speech, God never sleeps nor gets drunk. But the Lord chose, made choices whenever the time was right. The Lord chose the temple that Solomon built that helps us date this, uh, this psalm. because Asaph knows about that. The Lord chose Judah over uh, Judah and Zion over Ephraim and Israel. The Lord chose David to shepherd his people. He shepherded, he says, with integrity and skillful hands. Verse 72. Verse 71, from following the ewes that had, that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of heart, his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. That may be an allusion to Christ having a double meaning here in this passage because we have Christ coming, sitting on David's throne, certainly ruling with integrity and skill. See, David appeared at the right time and the right place in, in history to save Israel. Israel was privileged to have Judah, Mount Zion, King David. He ruled with integrity of his heart and skillfulness from which the Messiah would come. And we're privileged to have a territory, the church, today. Mount Zion, where God is, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. We're privileged to have a territory, a place where God is, and a king sitting on David's throne. So let us not forget our history. Let's not forget who we are belonging to Christ, whose we are, where we are, 
where we're going, but we have to ask us today, have you forgotten for the moment these questions? Do you need to return to God? If you do, come and let's pray together. Come back to God now and remember while we stand and while we sing.